Hello, welcome to the One Life Podcast. We talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one only life. My name is Sarah Inman. I'm joined as always by our co-host of the podcast and lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. What's up, Brett? Yeah, we're back. We're back. It's it been has, a little bit. It has been a little bit. We yeah, took a we few weeks a break. off. We, we did. did. We had a lot of stuff kind of planning. We're going for the rest of the year and some things we'll hopefully talk about um, in the next few weeks here. But yeah. um, also just, you know, we did a, a really long series, um, our racism series, which again, if you haven't taken an opportunity to listen to that, um, we talked to some amazing people um, from our communities and we'd love for you guys to take a listen to any of those episodes. We did. And uh, just a, a little bit of an update, those conversations are continuing. So it's not just a subject that we, we have dropped and gone on with life. Um, we're, there's some exciting things behind the scenes that are going on that we'll update you as, as we have more information. Yeah, there's yeah. a whole like like organization, organization type thing being that's built. Yeah. Yeah. got some letters to it and things like that. It so, does. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We're not messing around. <laughs> um, first off, I'll introduce our guest today, uh, Natalie Jarnowski, who is the executive director of One Life Church. Uh, you've been on the podcast a few times, and um, we're excited to be able to chat with you again today, Natalie. Welcome yeah. back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited, too. Awesome. Uh, and, and so this year, uh, 2020, um, is One Life Church's 10-year anniversary. Uh, of being a church, which Woo-hoo. is kind of a big yeah. deal, right? It is a big deal. Um, which is funny, you know, we had all these plans and ideas of what we do on, on 10, 10, 20, and, you know, we're making some changes to what that looks like, but <laughs> everybody's making <laughs> yeah. some changes on things yeah. as well. But um, but Natalie was part of, um, you know, some of the first conversations of making One Life um, happen. And so what we want to do in the next few weeks is kind of just celebrate some of the things that have happened at One Life Church, but also learn some things from the things that you've learned um, in this experience of launching a church, church planning, um, some of the things that like, man, I'm so glad we did this. And maybe some things that you'd say, man, I I wish we would have done that different. Um, um, Or even just some things that some fun stories to share and celebrate. Um, And we think that even if you're not someone who is a part of One Life Church, that you can learn from this. It's something that we want to be able to bring value to anyone who may be uh, thinking about planning a church or maybe just in the midst of kind of going into a new season um, of your ministry, which everyone is at this point. So um, anyway, Brett, anything you'd add to that before I move on? Anything I would add to that? Yeah, just about 10 years and... I don't know. I, I'm, I'm <coughs> thrilled that we're sitting here doing this 10 years later because there was a time when we didn't know if we'd make it 10 days or not. Wow. And that was, there were real moments like that when you're going into it. You had a certain level of confidence, but on the other hand, you're like, we don't know if anybody's even going to show up for this thing. Yeah. So, uh, so 10 years, I don't want to ever take it for granted that we're sitting here 10 years later and get, doing fun things like this. So Natalie, I'll just get into it. All right, let's I mean, do it. Can you tell us or tell me like one of your first memories of knowing that one life was going to happen, like and what your thoughts were, like even in general, thinking about like, oh, man, like this is a big deal, like being able to do something brand new. Yeah. Um, so I was a director of a service out of the church that we launched out of, and we had been talking about wanting to multi-site that service. So I'd been part of a team that was working on that. And there came a point where it seemed like the direction that we had to go was going to be an independent church plant. And um, I do remember the moment where it became like really real for me. We were standing, you remember uh, the nine o'clock service in the gym, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Brett was talking to me outside of that gymnasium. We had a service that was in there and he was, I, I think kind of trying to break the news to me where he was like, well, I think instead what we're going to do is just launch an independent church plant instead, you know, and there was kind of this moment where the reality of we were going in this direction, 
and all of a sudden it was going in that direction. And honestly, in that moment, I felt total panic (laughs) because I was like, we've been talking about this. We've been working on this. I'm so in on this because this, you know, the, the way we do ministry here totally changed my life. And like, I believe so much that right now in this cultural moment, this is what people need. And it felt like it was all unraveling, but this, I always get nervous saying something like this because, you know, people think I'm like some kind of weirdo who says that, you know, God is speaking to me or something. So as a Christian, I always want to kind of keep that on, you know, kind of, kind of keep it a little relatable. But, um, in that moment where I felt like all of this happened within seconds, right inside my head. But in that moment, all of a sudden I just felt kind of this calm down. You're going to help him launch this. And it wasn't like an audible voice. Like, you know, it's not like God pulled up a chair next to me and said, hey, girl, let's talk. But it really was just like I just had this overwhelming sense that God was telling me, you're going to help him do this. And, I mean, it was so much so that I was like, okay, I'm in. Let's go. I felt so strongly that that's what I was supposed to do. I was like, all right, whatever it takes, this is, this is what we're going to do. You didn't tell me that at the time, though, did you? No. I don't think so. No, at the hey, time I, I just felt the Lord. No, at the time I was just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay. Okay. Um, let me know how I can help. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and and it's been evident uh, uh, from Natalie's life that, that 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 was a God thing. I mean, we all, maybe not everybody, but we all have those experiences that God telling me this or is just you know, the food I ate or something like that. But it's been proven through the fruit of everything that uh, that she's done that uh, because you can't necessarily, unless you do hear from the Lord or have a deep conviction of that, you won't. Um, go through the things that it takes to do something like we did because there was a lot of great stuff but there was a lot of really 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 hard stuff too uh, that unless you feel a deep conviction that this is what I'm supposed to be doing I'm not going to do this there's there's easier ways to live yeah absolutely and one thing I would say that I learned that um, just because something gets really 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 hard doesn't mean that God didn't call you to it yeah he doesn't just call you to easy in fact it's usually the opposite right (laughs) yeah you talked about you were a director um, on a team yeah. at the time. Tell us a little about what your role is now um, so people kind of get an understanding of it's a little bit different now. You're kind it, of uh, in charge of everything. So. It, it is a little bit different. So I they actually, about uh, a month after One Life launched, um, they needed administrative help. And so they hired me as, as the administrative assistant. Um, and then from there, I became the project manager of our creative arts team. They just needed help organizing and managing the projects. And that they do. <laughs> That's what I do now. Yeah, well, well, oh, well, you are, things, you are yeah. the new and improved version <laughs> for sure. But from there, I became the communication director. And then shortly after we launched our West Campus, Brett came to me and said, how would you feel about taking on the role of an executive director? Um, so basically, and I thought about it and prayed about it and panicked a little more and then said, okay, sure, if you're going to help me, maybe. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I'm the executive director of um, One Life. So I manage all of the staff and volunteers and operations um, across all of our campuses. Um, But most, I mean, campus pastors do the operations at their individual campuses. So 
Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. kind of the coordinator of it. And uh, was it that deep into things that we we had already launched West? We I thought had, it was earlier than that. No, oh, okay, it was it was we had already launched West, but just barely. And I mean, right. I think it was at that point things were so unwieldy. It was, oh, yeah, like, yeah. It was like can't be well, everywhere yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah, we learned really quickly we need more structure. Right. So, yeah, and I mean that's something that I think we're continually trying to figure out. Like as things change, I mean this year especially, you look at and think, oh man, there needs structure around how do we get people to connect, you know? And so that's something that all of us have been in a part of, but Natalie constantly is, is the one kind of processing and thinking, how could I help each staff think that way and, and get better at that? So um, as you look at the 10 years, you know, we're coming up on that in, in less than a month now, um, which is wild. It's very exciting. Um, what are some of the things? So some of the things you guys were having, kind of, and either one of you can, can talk about this, things you were talking about, maybe even planning and seeing and being a part of, uh, One Life Church, have you seen some of that happen in the past 10 years, whether it happened right away or is continuing to happen or any of those things that kind of stand out? Yeah, so so um, you, you kind of gave me a heads up about this question ahead of time. Um, and I started digging through my email because I wanted to find, do you remember, Brett, you released a prayer guide. It was towards the end of 2010. You released yeah. a prayer guide and um, we put it on you version and it was on the app and it was all over the place. And you asked everybody to pray these prayers. And I was looking for this because it, it dawned on me several years later that, you know, I still continue. A lot of us, it wasn't just me. A lot of us still continue to pray for these things. Mm. And some of the things that God has done, it's, it's really cool. So on this list of things you asked us to pray for is God would remove the mountain of slavery from Myanmar. Um, and One Life was a part in, um, in partnership with Uncharted in founding the, um, the Center for Human Trafficking Restoration in Myanmar, um, which I had a chance to visit and um, really, really was doing phenomenal work over there. So it's just cool that something that we wow, prayed I for. I remember that. Uh, yeah. yeah. And another one of the things that we were praying for is that we will baptize a thousand people who are far from God so that they can begin their journey of experiencing Jesus. To date, we've baptized 754. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. All yeah. Right. We, uh, another one. We got to um, pray more. 754. Wow. 754. Yeah. yeah. Another one that we've prayed for is God re- would remove the mountain of drug abuse and addiction from this region. We work with groups that are recovery groups at our Henderson campus and at our West campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah. seeing that God is moving in these areas is something that something that has been super cool. And to look back on the things that we prayed for at the very beginning, another one, God will use us to change the worldview of the next generation so they can experience Jesus. And that was something we started praying mm-hmm. in 2010. And I had a conversation with Brett where I was talking about my daughter is is at ECS, Evansville Christian School, and they're doing this thing in their Bible class on worldview. And she was saying how bored she is with it because she was like, I mean, I've already learned all of this stuff at church anyway. I mean, they're talking about what are the biggest questions in life? And I'm like, I know, Brett already taught us about that. Huh. So and they how, want to use our videos. I mean, and they, they want to charge yeah, them. We, that's right. Yeah, we'll yeah. charge them. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Not a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing that, as I look back over the ten years, the things that we have prayed for and that God is is using the people of this church to do. It's pretty amazing. I had forgotten that early, uh, that early on, that that worldview thing was in there because mm. we yep. we really we even changed our. Um, 
vision statement. Uh, it was about three years ago, three or four mm-hmm. years ago. We changed our vision statement to include that um, that language, and then we we made the moves on. We did produce the films, and that was in response to that. And so it is interesting to listen to all that because you don't know how he's going to do that, uh, but uh, he does that when we pray. So thanks for giving a. A deep answer. I mean, yeah. I think I looked at him. I was like, "Oh, okay." You oh, came oh. prepared for that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, looking back in those histories and all that kind of thing, that's that is encouraging to mm-hmm. to know that. Hey, you know what number ten was on that list? God would grant us the ability to communicate the message clearly, creatively, and powerfully. Mm. And I think with us being able to finally get to a point where we can broadcast both the worship and the message, and it's yeah. literally going across the country and across the world right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that really was, was put into kind of overdrive because of COVID, which none of us like COVID, right? But right. it has pushed us into some, God's using that to push us into some new territory. Truly so. has, yeah. I, I, I remember one of the most gratifying things for me was, uh, we'd always said our, our, our mission statement hasn't changed. It changed a little bit, but uh, it changed from uh, helping people far from God tr- um, experience Jesus to trust and follow Jesus. Uh, but it was always people far from God. And I remember hearing when we were first launched in Henderson that uh, the, the, the buzz was that there were people who were known in the community as never, probably never going to enter a church had, were there. Uh, they were in the library. Because we, we didn't know. We were from Evansville. We didn't know people in Henderson yet. And so the first Sunday, people were literally walking around and pointing out, oh, my goodness, that, that person's here. I mean, uh, people who were kind of known to be far from God were there and present. And then our very first baptism, we did have 50. And and, uh, uh, and, and the whole baptism service was a beautiful comedy of errors and uh it was uh speaking of funny stories i don't think i can tell any of them uh but uh it was just <laughs> some mishaps that happened during the baptism services that that were great too but that was uh and there was a personal friend of ours uh that my my, my wife and i uh who came to christ through that whole just that initial journey uh, that was would self-define as far from god before that and so it's those things like that that i know for a fact happened and hearing all the stories through the years has been the most gratifying when you think about the idea of church planting, because I think if someone's listening now and maybe they're in the midst of uh, connecting with other people to maybe plant a church or in the midst of, like I said, I think even maybe a new a new season of church, which in a sense sometimes is a replant, um, even though you may still be, you know, you, church may be been around 100 years and you're thinking of new ways to connect with people for the first time. What are some some of the things that either one of you like memorable things that you remember thinking, I'm really glad we did this. I'm really glad this was part of the structure of what we did um, to make 10 years ago this plan happen. She made notes, so. <laughs> I, I did I did make notes. Um, question is a little different than the one I sent you, though. But Yeah. Um, yeah, say that. Say it again. Yeah, say so again. what are some things that, that you're just, you're thankful that, man, I'm glad that this was part of how we did this. I'm glad this was part of the oh. church planning um, strategy and structure that was put into place because if without it, mm-hmm. things might not have gone as smooth as they have. Yeah, well, one thing is is our value of, uh, we, we kind of shorthand it and call it the explorer grid, but right. we always think of the person who is far from God and... Um, how they may be exploring faith or, or maybe not, but how can we reach that person? And in our communication style and everything, from the very beginning, I remember us having constant conversations about 
what is that person far from God? If we communicate something in this way, how's it going to land on their ears? I mean, even so much that we, we talked about the clothing we were going to wear and not wanting it to appear so different from what people wear in their daily lives that they're going to walk up to the church and think, oh my goodness, I don't even fit in here. Look at me. I mean, that's part of the reason on a Sunday morning. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of dressing up in general anyway, (laughs) but kind of more of a t-shirt and jeans kind of chick. But I very intentionally will not dress up for church on Sunday because I don't want somebody who comes in off the street, doesn't know what to expect to look down at their clothes and think, oh my goodness, I don't fit in here. I mean, we had that from the very beginning and that was part of every conversation. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that was legitimate. It, and, and it continues uh, on to this. And, and what's funny is people think people feel, still think that way. And yes, they do. I, I've heard that to this day. I used to hear it more, uh, but people will literally, uh, I heard one lady say that she still just goes to our online service. She just never walked in one of our buildings, but she told me, she said, she said, I don't think you understand. It's funny for tell me this. I don't think you understand that people, when they walk into church, if they've never been to one before, they automatically assume there's a ton of things they don't know that they're going to do wrong. Uh, that, you know, am I wearing the right thing? Am I, am I going to the right place? Am I sitting the right way? Do I stand? I, I don't know the drill when everybody else does. And so we try to be very, very <laughs> conscious of that, uh, that you always want to be confident. We want to make everybody confident that if they do bring a friend, that we're talking to their friend as much as they are them. And so we avoid insider language. Yeah, I would do that again in a heartbeat. The other thing I would do again as far as structurally is we, we say we continually evaluate for improvement or we, we, we evaluate. <laughs> You, you have know, the notes. You know, no. one of those things. We continually yeah, we evaluate. We evaluate. Now you messed me we up. Evaluate we evaluate for continual, for improvement. continual improvement. Yeah, that's yes. right. This, uh, we've always done evals, and, and so we, we evaluate everything we do, and we, we get at the post side of it, and we talk about it. We try to be honest about it. What we do right? Uh, what could we improve? And I would do that in a heartbeat uh, tomorrow if I were starting over again. I would I would do those things because it's been we did one this morning, um, and a lot of things came to the surface. There's a lot of improvements we can make, and and it's never offensive. It's always actually I kind of enjoy it uh just talking about those things because it also gives you confidence to walk forward so i would do that it is a structural thing uh ease and i would recommend every church plant do that. i think every church should do it but um but make that just a part of your culture that you always are open and that's something that like when you say that i think it's always important i know we've talked about this on the podcast before but like it's important for this conversation to say that's everything like including your message even i mean it has to start mm-hmm. even at the top um for your, for anyone who's leading an organization or a church um you know to be able to say like i i need time for people that I trust and I care about their opinion to give some evaluation behind like, Hey, did this point land or, um, did I Mm -hmm. miss something here? And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's funny and sometimes, you know, there's more serious things that we talk about in those evals, but it also creates, um, relationship that I think, you know, you don't really get in just a typical meeting. But if you're talking about eval, like if I'm giving you information, I still remember that one of the first few times, like I was sitting in eval of the message. I'm like, I can't say anything. These people don't know me. And then when I said something, they're like, oh yeah. I'm like, you wrote it on the board. I'm like, oh my gosh, my opinion has value here. Like that's important, you know, for anyone to feel like they are part of the team, but also feel like that they, that they're, they want to continue to get better themselves so they can help continue right. to evaluate to make things better. So um, I think there's something, just team building aspect about that that, Absolutely. that continues yeah. to happen It's one well. of the things that kind of unites us together. And so that's why I would. I, w- uh, I, would, I would definitely do that again. It's funny, this past weekend, they, uh, I'm, I was thinking, because I edited out an entire segment that I was going to do. 
and we always do the messages beforehand so we have a backup and we also can practice it through first and I was so glad that it got edited out by the time I reached Sunday and I and I because in the old days before I did this kind of thing I would have left it in and it would have not worked very well at all. <laughs> I would have gone over it would have been bad but they they kept me from embarrassing myself they don't always do that in the emails but uh that's true we keep yeah. some but of those clips for yes. you know, just ourselves right. to watch later right. sometimes our goal might be for him to embarrass himself <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah, for all i know i'm trusting you and i shouldn't yeah. so you know what's fun as i was digging through email looking for that prayer guide i found the notes from the evaluation of our first service oh wow oh you're kidding yeah no, that's a piece of history yeah, it was yeah. a piece of history and yeah. and it was funny because i mean it was you know how the first service went mm-hmm. i mean our poor lighting guy, he worked so hard to get the lighting just right and everything. So many people showed up. We had to lift up the curtain. Oh, Do you remember that? Oh, yes. Yeah. And there were it, people lifting lighting the curtain. Guy, yes, people standing there lifting up the curtain. And if you're not in lighting, you probably don't realize this. But when outside lights comes into that dark environment, you can't see any of the beams of light and the cool colors and all that. It just messes everything up. <laughs> This poor guy was so upset <laughs> that all of his hard work and all the lighting he I designed. Didn't even that, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, he was very happy that so many people showed up. So yeah. it was, you know, it's cool. And yeah. I think you know, you're starting with with the idea um, at our Henderson campus, and then our West campus, and then a few years later our East campus, and now we think about um, our Anywhere campus. It really is mm-hmm. become its own campus, um, One Life Anywhere, yeah. where you can connect with people online and uh, connect to digital community as well. And it's something that we're continually figuring out, like this is kind of the new normal in a lot of ways. Some people are only going to connect there. Um, And some people are going to plant churches, we hope, out of that um, idea. So that's something we're continuing to do, to think that 10 years later, that's something that feels weird to think about 10 years ago. I don't think I would have thought of that as um, a church planning model or strategy, but it really has become one now. Um, Anything, anything, um, Let's stick with fun things. Any fun stories that come fun to mind? Things? Yeah. Before <laughs> okay. we get into like things you're like, oh, I wish we wouldn't have done that. But like any fun stories that come to mind from the last 10 years? Natalie's already giggling. I am giggling. Because yeah. I'm thinking about, um, okay, one of the things I'm going to start off with a with big compliment. Like you said, the evaluation has to come from the top. And Brett has always had so much humility in just saying, hey, what do you guys think? And like you said, he'll write writes what you thought on the board. I mean, it communicates this value that I, I do value your opinion, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I am I can be kind of outspoken <laughs> a little bit sometimes. Little bit. Um, <laughs> but, um, and everybody kind of knows me as that. Well, we were hmm, a couple months into it, and everybody came to me and said, hey, Someone needs to talk to Brett about his clothes, and we think you're the best one to do it. I literally, all of them, by the way, uh, other staff members, by the way, not the whole church, but um, they just wanted Brett to have a more updated look, Mm. um, you know. So uh, I was nominated, voluntold, to be the person to sit down with Brett and say, hey, we keep it real around here, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's <laughs> and I, I had pictures for him of the look that we were going for because, wow. uh, yeah, oh, I know. But everything, you know this, Sarah, everything on camera is yep. just amplified right. so much more. So it's zeroing in on him. And if, if a button's unbuttoned or your your shirt is a little big and hanging off the shoulders, I mean, that's all anybody would talk about. 
after the service. They're not talking about Jesus. They're talking about the the weird shirt Brett wore or something like that. So it was a matter of really eliminating distractions for people. But but yeah, I was the one who you're got a distraction to, from you're, Jesus. Yeah, you're distracting people. Uh, yeah. So by, yeah, by their chosen was. shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's great. That's a great moment. I never I, thought that I would actually, be in I thought my of that. skill set. Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't even want to say about that. I, I know that, that I always tell a story. One funny story is that my, my wife and my daughters uh, were sitting on the front row, and my image came up on the screen, and my wife said they all collectively went... <gasps> Because I was wearing something that they just disapproved of. Like, so everybody does it. You're exactly right. I don't know who you people are, but uh, you know, there's, there ought to be other things you talk about besides my clothing. Uh, you may be talking about that now. Um, so yeah, there's lots of stories like that about, um, you know, uh, I think a, a, a guy uh, texted my, my wife about a pair of pants I was wearing and said, make sure you put those in a shredder when you get home. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So, and then I said that to another, one of our worship leaders. She said, yeah, I was kind of thinking that while I was watching it. <laughs> really? Okay. I'm glad you're Everyone's all thinking looking for an opportunity to tell you about it. I'll tell you what, it has become my rule though, not just with Brett, but with anybody who's going to be on that stage. Right. If I think it, I say it yeah. in the rehearsal because I do not want to be Monday morning, that person going, yeah, I kind of thought that I probably should have said something. Say it on the front end, yeah, man. That's true. Save them the humiliation. Yeah. So it just yeah. popped in my head. I was thinking about this, like kind of what you were talking about too, of, of thinking about like even what you're wearing, being relatable to people and that, that kind of same idea. I think it's a question that if someone's listening and, and maybe thinking, okay, well, that's good to think about, but there's probably still that question of how do you continue to be kind of in the world, but not of it in that same mindset. How would you answer that to someone who comes in? It's like, Oh, you're more focused on making sure you fit in with the world instead of teaching it. Um, Yeah. Some of these things I I don't think of as fitting in with the world. I think they fit in with human psychology Uh, and everybody's that way. I mean, the people that were talking about shredding my pants or whatever uh, that, that sounds funny to say. Uh, they, they, you know, some of them are believers. It's stuff that everybody notices. It's kind of like, uh, like one of the other values that we have around here is is we we evaluate because we we want to do our passionate best. Because what people do is, if there is something wrong, a, a singer off key or uh, the preacher is wearing something that's just a little bit. You're thinking more about it. you can't help it. I don't care how spiritual you are. You do notice, uh, or if it, it's kind of like if you've ever heard of crying baby in, in a service. It's the same exact thing. I mean, yeah. I've watched this. I, I've spoken literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times from platforms, and I've watched all eyes. I don't care how spiritual you are. If a if a baby's crying, you'll watch everybody's eyes go away from that from you and from the the message. So all we're trying to do is not trying to fit in with the world. We're trying to fit in with um, what Charles Spurgeon, the great 18th or 19th century preacher said, uh, he said, you must construct your discourses according to mental architecture, which is a fancy way of saying people think a certain way. They just do. And so you're trying to cooperate with how they think. So minimize the distractions, make sure, you know, the only time anybody pays attention to the sound guys, when something goes wrong, everybody will look back at the sound guy. So we want the sound to be exactly right. So they're not even thinking about that. And typically if everybody does their job well, 
there are no distractions and they listen to the message and that's what they think about when they walk away. And that's really what it is. It's it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, trying to be cool or be like, the, I'm past being cool. I can't be anymore. It's just, <laughs> you kind of have to, it's just kind of part of the drill. I, I know I'm 55, but you, you have to, what you want to be relatable and not distracting is how I would kind of put that. Cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay. So we do have to talk about this side of it too. What are some things that you wished you would have done different? Um, <laughs> Um, hey, let's see. Alphabetical. Maybe, maybe I'll start in the A's. Take a couple. <laughs> but I think it's important. We want people, you know, listening to know that, yeah, I mean, not everything's gone perfect. Yeah. Um, there's still things we're figuring out 10 years later. So. That's right. I would, I would love to hear what you have in those notes. <laughs> oh, boy. You don't have time. Yeah. Um, oh, no. One thing. I, I really did give this a lot of thought. One thing um, that I would do differently, we launched with an incredible amount of volunteers, which was fantastic. And I would absolutely start slim again. Keep your staffing to a minimum because it did create so much volunteer ownership. Right. Um, but on the other hand, we started with volunteer campus pastors at yeah. um, at two of our three locations. Well, all three, actually. And then Michael came on staff really right. quickly. Um, but I, I would start with a staff campus pastor. I think we really overwhelmed um we some did, yeah. people in that and and probably didn't have the the connection strength that we would have had if they had been able to devote themselves to it full time. Our campus pastors, both for Henderson and West that we launched with, had full time jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not that we were getting leftovers because they both were phenomenal at right. connecting people in the community and working on that. But if I had it to do over again, I absolutely would have put all our guns on getting those positions full time so that they could devote themselves to that earlier than they were able. Yeah, and we learned that the hard way. It was one of the things that we we rocketed to. Uh, we we went to 2000 in very very mm -hmm. short time, but it, it leveled off and even backed off a little bit. And you can almost trace it to that. Uh, just people being overwhelmed. Like, um, you know, there there are churches out there that have a, a quarter of that that have more staffing paid than we did, um, and putting an emphasis on that. Uh, one of mine was, it's funny, I, I would have some kind of pathway, and what's ironic about that, at my last church, <laughs> I was in charge of the pathway. That was my job. Wow. And I literally did this one and didn't have one from the beginning. We had some ideas, but we didn't lock it down, and we had actually set it up pretty pretty solid at the church I was before. I felt pretty proud of it. I worked really hard on it and everything, and we did it, but for some reason I didn't do that at, at ours, and then we tried to back up, and we tried to, because people always ask us, how do we disciple people and all those kinds of questions, and it was pretty loose, and, and if I were planning a church tomorrow, I would have that absolutely nailed before you ever, uh, even ever open your doors. Now, some of my excuse was we were kind of rushing to, there was a lot of other dynamics going on. We were rushing to get open, and so there were a lot of things that we just didn't put together the way we should have. Mm. And we opened we opened early-ish for, um, and then we planted the three sites, too. Uh, that was another thing. We planted them too quickly, honestly. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, I, I think... I that quite that quick. I think we planted faster than our ability to build structure. Yeah, exactly. And That's the structure could not keep up with the people. And I think we hurt people along the way, not by intention, yeah. but accidentally. Yeah. People fell through the cracks because we didn't have the structure there. Um, something else that I would do, by the way, shout out to our next gen team. I would start working on building those kids ministry teams maybe two years before I planted the church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and have 110% of yeah, it filled. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. Absolutely. Because That's kids huge. ministry, kids ministry is one of those things that, that with your church that um, it'll make or break your growth strategy for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Especially when you're targeting the next generation yes. as, and we say next generation, anything, you know, younger than you at that time. I mean, to think that that's a big part of people wanting a place for their kids to connect and belong. Um, and, and so with that same kind of question, um, since Natalie, you do lead our staff, what, what would be like the main staff positions that you would recommend someone has in place? So you said full-time campus pastor, Sounds like someone in next gen. Yeah. Um, well, and I think it depends on the focus of your church too. Like, um, I know there are churches out there where, where kids are in the main service and that that's one of their values and, and that's okay. Um, but for our church, we have a separate experience for our kids. Um, so I absolutely would have campus pastor, kids ministry director, and groups. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I think if you don't build those strong relationships and have a strong support um, structure with that, you're going to flounder a little bit. And then for our church, um, one of our high values is worshiping extravagantly. And so having a worship director and someone that can build those teams and really pour into those people, not just about making the worship excellent, but really discipling those people, I think is so important. So those would be probably my top hires. Oh, and a pastor. (laughs) You know, maybe. Uh, I mean, that was a assumed. Dozen, well, heck, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a good yeah, teaching pastor, yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we, we learned the hard way that you do have to have a group. We didn't have a groups person that was their full-time job at each campus when we opened. And if I had to do it over again, I would absolutely do that. And I've committed myself that I will never let that happen again. If we open another campus, we will have a groups person on that campus, apart from the campus pastor. It's his job. Because mm-hmm. it's the old thing. And I, I knew this. I don't know why I didn't pay more attention to it. It's that people, they say that people will will decide to come to a church because of the preaching and the music or in possibly the kids ministry. That's kind of the front door thing, but they will stay at a church and really go into a church because of the relationships. It's just that simple. And so uh, we had the advantage. We grew so fast because we were kind of the only church in the area to do things quite on the level that we were with the whole modern thing. And, you know, we opened with uh, an Iron Maiden instrumental as our very first uh, song that we ever played at our church. That's right. A little trivia there. The very first day was Iron Maiden instrumental and I was playing bass incidentally uh so it was a good time an old buddy of mine was playing and uh, it was great but but so we had that and and i think that was a little edgier than most churches had been in the area so we had this kind of attractional thing that happened but over time over the years it's the relationships they don't come back for your iron maiden instrumentals as much uh, they come back because their friends are there and they're growing in their faith uh, in, interacting with people so yeah. emphasizing that would be a lot more of a priority that's great Anything else in your notes, Natalie? I think that's all the questions I asked. Anything else you want to share that we have didn't get to? I don't. I don't think so. I think. I think you did a good job. Well, thanks. Closing yeah. us down, Sarah. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is good. This is fun. I, and I know this is just a really, you know, quick version of a lot of history. Ten years. I know there's a lot more and. Um, we'd love any questions you guys have. Email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org um, and we'll pass them along to Natalie and she'll answer all of them. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. With my notes. <laughs> With her uh, notes. That's right. Yeah, um, but in the, our last couple of minutes here, I just feel like, I don't know why I was feeling like I was going to ask you guys this. Didn't, didn't plan for this. Uh-oh. But we never get to talk about this. We've been talking about, you know, it's been a tough year. I mean, a lot of things changing. You guys are leading um, our organization, our ministries. How are you guys doing? You guys doing okay? <laughs> I'm yeah, just checking in. You I have feel to like go on record. Don't know if anybody's right, checking no, in no, with you guys. How are you guys doing? I, but, oh, look at that! You first. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. I, so being a part of the launch team, and, and today was a great reminder yeah. of this because I was digging through my emails and a little trip down memory lane of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed Natalie who was just willing to die for the cause. Now it's like old jaded Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah um, I, I think I'm doing, I'm doing well, but like everybody else, I mean, I, I don't know what's happening yeah. next. And obviously I brought notes to a podcast. I like to be prepared. Yeah. And I'm finding it very difficult to be prepared in this season. So it has me a little bit off kilter. But you know what? As I look over my shoulder, God has used those off-kilter moments um, in my life and like in our church's life to, to push us into new territory, to push me into new territory. So I have, I have faith that God's using this moment to push us into new territory. So, so I'm fine. Um, well, nervous. Not sure. really digging it, but I'm fine. Well, yeah. well, that's good. I'm glad to know you're fine. No, I'm doing fine. Yeah, how you doing? How you <laughs> yeah. doing? No, I, I it, it's it, it goes back and forth. It runs a little bit more extremes. I think at times you get uh, what's happened in 2020. I think it takes what was already present. I mean, church work. I've been in, I've been doing it a pretty long time, and it always has certain components to it that never go away. Right. But during the 2020 thing, it makes all those things about ten th- times worse or ten times better. It just it just takes things to their extremes, and so I'm feeling that a lot. Uh, and so the the crisis feel more crisis-y uh, than just normal, even though yeah. they're normal things, or relational breaks or just all the different things that you deal with, they feel more severe and there's, and it seems like there's more of them. Um, I, was, I was telling my wife the other night, it feels like at times um, that there's just a whole bunch of mosquitoes. Um, <laughs> like, you're, you're, like I'm sitting in a beautiful place and a great thing that I can't complain about, but there's just an awful lot of mosquitoes that are kind of making you always just a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, man, and that's kind of what life feels like right now. And so in the overall, it's good, but man, <laughs> could use some bug spray. Is that a, is that a bad metaphor? Really? That is a great Did you use on the message yesterday? Yeah. I just, I, I just, I said I'm not a mosquito fan because so I, I use it as that. a metaphor first and just talking to my wife, but then I use it as an illustration in my sermon. So that's, that's my that's latest thing because that's what it feels like most of the time. I think it's just yeah. important for people to be able to hear that like, yeah, right. like even though we're trying to put on something that, that we want to still be a place of hope and a place of rest in the midst of all the chaos that we're not all feeling hopeful and non-chaotic all the time either um that it's it's still hard and so um even in the midst of 10 years that you know there's still a lot of things we're learning in the next 10 years that podcast will be even more interesting so um but yeah that's right it's a good way to look at it it's just you know it's something that i just want to make sure that people are asking you guys that i'm glad you asked i appreciate that uh, Natalie, thanks for joining us today. Thanks I appreciate for having it. me. This was super fun. Yeah, you think so? I do. Well, good. I'm glad you're here. Brett, anything you want to close out? And I know there's something you want to talk about. Uh, yeah, uh, during 2020, I know that everybody, uh, not, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people, we, the running joke is uh, 2020 is the apocalypse. Welcome to it. You're living in it. And uh, so there's a lot of questions around end time stuff. So we have a great opportunity uh, for a very accomplished scholar to come in um, that teaches on Revelation. And he teaches the different views on the book of Revelation. It's going to be October 14th at our Westside campus. It, we just have the opportunity. He's coming 
in town for another reason, but he's available to us. And so we're going to put him out there, and that's what he'll do. He'll lecture about uh, the different views of Revelation through the years. He said you won't even be able to tell which view is his, but it'll. Mm-hmm. if you're curious about those end times kind of things and if 2020 really is the end times, it'll be fun. It, and, and he's a respectable dude that should walk us through it in a mature way. So cool. looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll have more information on that on our website yeah. soon. I need to do that probably. His this name week. is Steve Gregg, by the way. Steve Gregg. Right. Yeah. And again, thank you for listening. And uh, again, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. Um, we'd love to get some more information from you. We're going to have some more conversations with a few people that have been around uh, One Life uh, for the last 10 years and, and learn some more things. So cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sarah.